0: Video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and RaisingEquity on YouTube. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Raising Equity. I'm Dr. Kira Banks, your host. And I want you to like, subscribe, follow me on uh, the social media platforms. I'm Dr. Kira Banks across all platforms. But today we have a special guest, Lindy Drew, who runs the Humans of St. Louis site has a book. Isn't it beautiful? Beautiful. So for those of you who don't know, I'm based in St. Louis. And so this book is special for lots of reasons. And I'm so happy that you could join me, Lindy.
1: Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for coming.
0: Uh, I was thinking back about like when we met and like how I first got to know
1: you. And I I feel like it was through the commission, maybe. Yeah. I interviewed you a while ago. That's right. We walked in the park together around, around Tower Grove. And that's the first time we met. Was that the first time? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. knew of, I knew
0: of your work, right? I mean, yeah. everyone knows about Humans of New York and Humans of Humans of Humans of.
1: And so, what made you start a Humans of St. Louis? So, when I was going to school here for social work, a person who was a year ahead of me in, in school, she wanted to start it. And I'd never heard of a Humans of platform, but I had a background in photography, and a mutual friend put us in touch, and I learned about it. We hit the streets a, a few times and I researched about Brandon Stanton's Humans of New York site. And I love the idea. And I wanted a break from school. And starting the platform ended up being like double the amount of work as being in school. (laughs) Because I was learning about social work and public health in the classroom. But then I got this massive education on the streets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so real. And it's interesting because I remember when I was in graduate school, there were times when I would be an intense study, and I my brain felt the need to do something that was completely different. Like mm-hmm. I remember one of the Christmases, I had to make a glass wreath, a, a glass ornament wreath, mm-hmm. a la like Martha Stewart. And like my mind needed the creative outlet, yeah. and yeah. I laughed at myself because I'm like, I don't know why I feel need to, the need to do this. This is totally not the paper I need to be writing or the thing that I need to be researching. But here we are. And so it's kind of funny that you were thinking, oh, I want to break from school, like use this other part of my brain. And then it just like takes off. Was it immediate?
1: It kind of was in a sense because folks who were following Humans of New York, when we launched, there was an interest, obviously, and a connection. So a lot of early adopters hopped on and they were following. So it grew quick. Um, But my partner and I for the project never thought it would take off like this. We just kept feeding it. And we enjoyed meeting people on the street. And then these asks happened to do paid collaboration work. And I thought, okay, this can't be under Lindy Drew Photography. I think we're growing into something bigger. I'm about to finish school eventually. Why don't we think about a model for the site? For-profit, nonprofit, middle of the ground. So we decided on nonprofit, and we incorporated. And this was my first job out of school. And that's what I've been doing ever since now. So it's been eight years total okay. doing the work and um just addicting (laughs) it's just addicting (laughs) now who's your partner so it was carolyn fish we started it together she moved on graduated and decided that she wanted to step away after a certain amount of time so we brought Dessa Summerside on board her and i had met met like 15 years ago now in chile we were both volunteers down there working with kids and she happened to be from arizona and so am i when we finished our work we both went back to arizona started hanging out, started salsa dancing together, started getting to know each other better. And she came to grad school here in St. Louis. Oh, And I drove her with her on our first road trip to drop her off here. I saw the campus, um, got to meet people here, just got the vibe for it. And when she'd come home for holidays, we'd talk about St. Louis and about her classes and what she was learning and who she was meeting. And I was like, I like that. So when it came time for me to kind of reconsider Where I was working in Arizona with the population I was with, Um, social work sounded like the right fit for school. So I applied and I got accepted. And then I came here. So now we (laughs) both live here. Mm -hmm. We both co run Humans of St. Louis together. That's a neat story.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I don't know that I knew that about you until I read your bio in the back of the book that you worked in Chile. Is that correct? Yeah. I volunteered there.
1: I volunteered there after photography school because I just wanted to get an experience that was different than what I grew up with. I wanted to photograph in a different area of the world. Um, I wanted to travel. and You so wanted to dance. I, I know you enough. No, it's so funny. It's <laughs> so funny because I learned how to dance in Phoenix.
0: Oh, really?
1: After living in Chile and being in South America, went back to Phoenix and started dancing. Okay. And Dessa and I kind of knew we like made it when we were in the parking lot of a Walmart one time heading back to our car. And a random man stopped us and he was like, I know you too. We're like, we don't know you. He's like, yeah, you dance at Club Downtown. (laughs) I was like, Dessa, we've made it. (laughs) And then we came to St. Louis and started dancing here too. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Random. Love it. (laughs) Uh,
0: But I'm sure your time there like shaped your eye in terms of photography. Yeah. How so?
1: Yeah. So when I was in photography school um, at the International Center of Photography in New York, we had a teacher who had said, If you really want to make work, think about doing it somewhere else, because New York's so pricey to live in. And I always wanted to go to South America to completely learn Spanish. And I was interested in youth development, and I just needed more exposure than the bubble that I grew up in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And so I went down there, and everything was a story, working with the kids, and the group home was a story. The reason that their parents had left them and why they were being raised there was a story. Um, eventually I kind of wound up the backbone and did some more photography work throughout Central South America. And when I came home to Phoenix, Arizona, I ended up getting a job at a place called um, Casa de Sueños, the dream home. And that was working with kids from all these cities and, and countries I hadn't seen. Mm. So they were from um, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador, uh, Mexico. And I was hearing so many stories about how they crossed without their parents to get into the U.S., and the stories were intense. I bet. Yeah, you're sitting there having dinner. They pray before they eat. We all started chatting about what the Camino was like, what their walk was like, Mm -hmm. and they were just so open and honest. But I knew there were powerful stories there to be told. I was the recipient of hearing them, but because of confidentiality, I couldn't take their picture. I couldn't share their stories. Um, We were there for a different reason, which was to reunify them with their parents who or a sponsor who was in the United States. Right. Um, But after doing that for a few years, I kind of felt stifled because there was nothing else I could do for them. And that's when I started to look at other options to learn more about the system. And I thought going back to school for a graduate degree would be a good idea. (laughs) And then I ended up here. Yeah. And And you ended up
0: (laughs) telling more stories. And right? ended up telling more stories. So storytelling has been a thread for you. It has. Has yeah. it always been, looking back? Right, because you, you studied in school, in undergrad. What did you study? I studied
1: biology. Biology, to right. To pre-med. I, right, I
0: was like, so you studied biology, <laughs> yeah. went to photography school, yeah. right? Went to social work, public health. And then, I mean, but storytelling, have you, did you tell stories as a child? Were you in, always interested in stories
1: as you read? Like, what did you read? No, to all of those. I did not like English class. I did not like the stories that teachers had us read. I did not like writing essays. I didn't like writing. And it wasn't until I graduated from undergrad where I had time to read the stuff I wanted to read and I thought this is fascinating. Reading's fascinating. Hearing about people's lives are fascinating. I was never into like fantasy or fiction. It was definitely more um something that was biographical or autobiographical
0: like what like who were you reading about that you like sort of set that spark
1: um I can't think of who I read about, but I think because I'm an image maker, it's such a good question. I'm really into documentary work and I'm ah. really into video mm-hmm. and stories that um you can see through yep. the lens layered with audio and with music, and you know putting all these nuanced parts together, so in New York, where I lived for a while um I worked as a personal trainer Mm -hmm. to pay for photography school, basically. Uh And in the day, I didn't have clients. So I would go to this theater and watch documentaries. And they'd be so inspiring. And then I'd come back and keep training at the gym. And I'd hear from all these clients that came in that lived completely different lives than me. I mean, I was up in the Bronx trying just to make it and earn a few bucks to stay sustainable, you know. And they were living downtown in Manhattan and living these fast lives and having these fancy jobs and inviting me and the other trainers to their places for Christmas and New Year's and you'd see how they live and how I lived was so different. But yet when we were training, everyone's really similar. You know, you run out of breath when you're reaching your peak or you hit a moment and you crash and you're crying in the corner and you're not training anymore. You're having a conversation with somebody. So I recognized the... um interest in storytelling Mm -hmm. as a personal trainer. Because as I was training, I was listening to so much they were telling me. Yes. That's kind of where it started, I think.
0: Interesting. Yeah. The gym is a humbling place. You know.
1: (laughs) You know that You learn a lot about yourself
0: in the gym. Yes. Yes. You're right. And there's like some universality to that. Like you said, the struggle, the pain the coming back for more, Mm -hmm. having a goal greater than the rep that hurts or the sprint
1: that you don't want to do. Yeah. And it's not always about like, I'm trying to lose weight and meet this fitness goal. A lot of it is I got to work out some anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. I need someone to like chat with as I exercise or I want someone to push me. I could
0: never, I can't talk while I'm working out. Like, don't try to talk to me. I'm trying to lift this weight. It's taking all that I have to do this hard work. Yeah. My brain, and I think for me, that's what it is. Like, my brain gets scrambled in a way yeah. that it can't be intellectual, but I
1: need that break. I hear you. And I, so. I'd have my my training instructor tell me, like, our, our supervisor. I see you talking a lot on the floor. <laughs> I was like, I'm listening. They're talking. And they're like, you're not working them out hard enough. Oh. You need to add more reps. You need to add more weight. You need to like, but maybe you were figuring them out to be able to motivate them. All of the things, Carol. <laughs> all of the things. Or maybe you were just practicing your storytelling.
0: <laughs> it could be. It could be.
1: But it was interesting because when when I broke the body down, yeah. You'd see how people are like, I just hit that wall and I want. To talk or i mm-hmm. have to talk about something deeper. Or I just came from therapy. Now I'm at my training session. It's like, you know, right. and, and you learn so much about people. Interesting. And as much money as they made, as high of a status they had, we're all the same when it comes down to what does your form look like? Where are you at a place physically? Let's work on those, you know, details and yeah. let's talk about the stuff that's actually on your mind coming out now because you know you're moving. Yeah. That's kind of where it started. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the first story? Of Humans of St. Louis?
1: Yeah, we have it in the book. And Carolyn and I were in... We were up north. And we asked some guy about his his best memory of the area. And he was like, you see this building behind me that's closed down? This is where I bought my first pair of Stacey Adams shoes. And I was like, is that right? You know, who bought them for you? Who went with you? Where'd you wear them to? And he got really teary eyed and he just kind of looked at the building and he's like, look around us. Like none of this is open. This doesn't exist anymore. You know, this is our city, but I have these great memories from area. And, um, that was the first one. And we felt like it was important to put in the book too. Absolutely. I mean, that's
0: St. Louis, that, that like contradiction. Cause I think about my grandparents owned a store up in what is now within the footprint of the NGA Mm. development. And, uh, that's where I would spend a lot of my weekends, and well, a lot of my summers, really. And I was like sitting there on the pickle jar, pickle, uh, not jar, the pickle, like container. a bucket, yeah, the p- pickle bucket, yeah. up by my grandmother's side with the candy, and like I have so many memories of that space, and it's just, it's what does gone. that look like now? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. And my grandfather always thought, oh, this place will come back. This place will come back. Yeah. And I mean, you could argue it has through the NGA, but not yet. And not for everyone who's up there. Um, And yeah, like St. Louis Mm -hmm. is a story of like contradictions of ways in which like history and divestment and who do we divest from? Who do we invest in? Who do we see as valuable? It's it's a. It's a rich history. And so to me, that was part of why, like when you all did the Kickstarter, I was like, of course, I'm going to support. Like, of course, St. Louis gets put in the news for lots of things, Um, but we often don't see the complexity of it. It gets reduced down to, oh, it's unsafe there or there's crime there or the Cardinals or, right, it just gets very flattened. And so what I like about Humans of St. Louis is that it shows the complexity. It tells the stories and they're... They're unfiltered stories. And some of them you might think like, well, that's random, but Mm -hmm. it's like, that's their story. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's important. It doesn't all have to be profound and prophetic. It can just be a story. Like, even though there's a little girl who's on one of the cards and this guy was, I think you asked like, who are you to me? And like, you're, you're like my uncle or you're my uncle. He's like, well, I'm like your uncle. She's like, no, you're my uncle. Exactly. And in that brief back and forth, there's so much richness there. She's like, no, you are my uncle. Yeah, that's a great one. I love that one as well. I wonder if I could find it. Yeah. So it's this little little girl and it says, who is this guy? I'm assuming that's you that's asked. And she says, he's my uncle. And he says, I'm like an uncle. And she says, you are my uncle. That's exactly how it
1: came out too, <laughs> which was so endearing. Right. Because you see how close she is in the photo. Like if I asked to take a picture of her- I didn't have that chemistry with her. But her next to him, there's a relationship there. And that's why it shines through. It's so sweet. Now, why the decision to not use names? Well, we followed Brandon Stanton's um, way of doing things on Humans of New York. And he doesn't customarily add names unless someone is talking about someone and in the quote, it comes out. So we just never have. But for paid collaboration work, sometimes we need to with someone's title and what they're doing. And that's fine. But typically. We don't. We have some back and forth where we've added some names because the quotes are so long. And so to keep track, it makes it kind of easier. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: I never thought about that.
1: Yeah. But to your point, photographically, like St. Louis, everywhere, it's changing so much. True. So when I look at these photos and when I've had to contact the people in them or go back to those places to find a mural or something, a lot of times they're not there anymore. So it makes me think as a documentarian, Who's taking pictures of this stuff? Who's taking pictures of us? And even going back in the book, having to like contact people for their model release and ask if they want to be a part of it. Unfortunately, some of the feedback was like, this person's no longer here. And that was really powerful. Even Like since no longer here, like passed away? Exactly. Ah, Yeah. Even since the book came out, you know, I tried to get a copy to each person in the mm-hmm. book. It was baked into our Kickstarter. And um, folks would write us and say, they're actually not with us anymore. Mm. So one of my favorite pages is on the back of the book. There's a red page that has a, a list of the folks that we know who have passed away to say, we're gonna continue honoring your stories. And it's important. Yeah. Because you're a part of the fabric here. You are. You are. And yeah. there are so
0: many different faith traditions that talk about how, as long as your name is being called, as long as your story is being told, your, your spirit is alive. And so in that way, you are honoring their life and keeping their story alive. That's a great reminder. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And then that way, the names do kind of come out, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: Powerful stuff. That's yeah. powerful stuff. So I know that it was not an easy journey to make this book. <laughs> we talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's beautiful, Lindy. It Thank really is. Like, I, it came in the mail and I was like, well, I guess it's is going on the table, you know, so for whoever's sitting here can just thumb through it, see who they know. Like, my nephew's in there, my sister's in there, mm-hmm. people who I know and love are in there. Yeah. But
1: that's not why it's a beautiful book. It's just, it's gorgeous. Congrats. Thank you. It means a lot because I'm not from St. Louis and I moved here in 2013 for school. Mm-hmm. And like less than a year later, Mike Brown was killed. And so... For me, the education I've gotten from the people here and the streets here has been profound. So doing this work, I want to share a lot of it with people and amplify these people's voices. And a lot of the times on the feed, this work gets buried. And that was where the idea of the book came along to say, people are reading it, they are enjoying it, but they're still relatable. The stories are still valid. Time passes and it's different. But how are they... Um, how are stories similar to each other? And how are these themes really threaded together? Mm-hmm. So we took on this like crazy feat to try to make a compilation of the 3,500 stories we've done. And we whittled it down to 400. Oh gosh. And we packed it into a 544 page book. Impressive. Yeah.
0: Now I have to just say, like, I know you personally, but people who don't are like, who's this white girl who who's a transplant, you know, wash you grad yeah. Like, what
1: What do you know about St. Louis? When I got here, nothing. <laughs> I just thought, okay, well, I'm ready to come to grad school. And I applied to four places. And this one felt like the right fit for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Came here, thought I'd get my education and probably relocate again. And um, after doing the work for so long on the street, it really just convinced me to stay i think like a lot of people you're invited to do some of this work like you're invited in your sister was a huge part of my staying here because she invited me into the ferguson commission for the ferguson work and sitting down with all the people who are on the commission and like taking the time to listen to what they have to say and craft stories from all of that it was illuminating for me who's not from here Mm -hmm. and doesn't have experience um being raised here, going through the school system here, or um, experiencing policing here. All of it was a new education. And the most comfortable thing for me, which is probably why I love this interview, is because it's one-on-one. And that's Mm. what I do. Mm -hmm. But we've built the site to be so big that it's also reaching so many people. And that feeds my soul to be like, okay, the work is at the intersection of all the things I love, photography, St. Louis, health. And we just kept feeding the site, and there was a need for more storytelling, and it felt right to continue it, and it's just grown from there. So even though I'm not from here, it's become an adoptive city. I mean, to be honest, I was born in Detroit, Mm. and I lived there for 10 years, but I was a kid. I moved to Arizona in second grade. Mm -hmm. Never thought I'd come back to the Midwest. The city's so different, obviously, than Detroit. Some similarities, maybe. But um what I've come to learn here and the relationships that I've built here have been the reason that I continue to stay and do this work and and really try to like understand and contribute mm-hmm. in my own way to mm-hmm. the city as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. there is
0: a way in which I feel like some people have the attitude about like, if you're an outsider, like to side eye or question, but I have seen a lot of folks who are, who've come to love St. Louis and want to contribute to the city mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we are open to that mm-hmm. uh, if it's one of those cities I grew up in Edwardsville, but most of my extended family is in St Louis. So even knowing the city and having a connection to the region, still, when we chose to live here and raise our kids here, it took some time to get our feet like settled to get settled to what do you call it like to to really connect with people, it's not the most it's not that it's unwelcoming, but it's not the most welcoming city.
1: You got to kind of find your people and it takes time. And you're right. Yeah, you're right. And I think maybe school was an easy in for me. The relationships got built fast mm-hmm. with admin professors, teachers, and also students. Mm-hmm. It's funny because one of the stories in the book is of a map. And there's a gentleman here, Paul Faylor, who rode every street of St. Louis, it took him years to do it and he mapped it on Strava. Mm -hmm. And so you can see the outline of St. Louis through this map that we typically see on like all the maps that have to do with like quantitative, qualitative work. We shared it the other day on the site and people were like, this is amazing. Love what you do. I've done it here in this city, in this city, great. Before that, we shared a story from a lady from Uzbekistan. And she was like, I was living in the US in a different city in Boston. And my husband got a job here. I told all my girlfriends, we're moving to St. Louis. And she's like, you know what? It's not that bad. <laughs> and when we shared it online, everybody was laughing like St. Louis's new motto. It's not that bad. <laughs> That's hilarious. And again, I'm not from here, but I've right. gotten to know a lot about the intricacies and all the things of this city that people storytell about or is in the news or just the randomness. And I hear some, from people sometimes, it's, it's home. Like there's, it's not that great, but it's home or I love it for all these reasons. And typically when people say that they like it because of the free stuff we have and the typical things that we know about, for me, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other because as a storyteller, I'm really looking for like, yeah, we know, but like, tell me more. Like if we were playing Wheel of Fortune, that's the (laughs) R-S-T-L-N-E, you get those, we all know. But like, why do you really care? You live here, your kids are growing up here, you work here, you're invested. And I'm really interested in figuring out what are the nuances of those things to Mm -hmm. share with like a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to turn that back on you. Why do you care? What is it about St. Louis for you?
1: For me, it's been the stories. It's been meeting these folks in a place where people say, don't go there. Don't cross the river. Don't go up north. Don't go in back alleys. I'm like, okay. I've lived in a lot of places. (laughs) And I think my experiences, you know, living overseas and, and all of that have lent me to be able to do this project maybe easier than someone else. Walking around with my camera, I have a very different experience of what it's like to meet people in St. Louis. And typically when I meet people, they're curious. And sometimes they look me up and down and they're like, what are you doing here? You don't belong in this area. Where <laughs> do you, go back to the Central West End where like we, you're probably from or something. Right. And it's like, okay, well, we all have our Preconceived notions of what shows up at that moment. But what happens if I ask you for a photograph and some time to have a conversation? I didn't know I was going to meet you this day. You didn't know you were going to say yes to this. And so, this book and the Humans of St. Louis feed is a testament to what these experiences look like if you would say hello to a stranger in this city. I love it. Yeah. And go the places where people say, oh, don't go there. Yeah. Like, part of the thing that the team and I talked about is we really wanted. The stories in the book to model what it would look like if someone got out of their car to speak to somebody. Maybe it's the person who's unhoused that's asking for money. Or maybe it's, a, you know, going to a new coffee shop on a different side of town and giving a Black-owned business your money or something like that. You can do that. Um, and that's what the the project is about. That's beautiful. I mean, it
0: does make it accessible, right? You're looking at these. It's disarming. And that's some of what we need. So in a way, like, you are st- still being a
1: social worker. Yeah. A lot of it's social work. Yeah. Even when we share the stories, because then people hop on the comments and they want to get in touch with the person who's in the story or reach out or help. We try to marry those two together to say, okay, we did our part. Now, how do we facilitate that? And then you take it from here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we've seen that. I don't know if
0: you have any stories to share about that, but I was just... um reading or listening to the book of one of the one of the people from humans of new york that blew up like i think they ended up raising like a, a million dollars or something ridiculous for Tangare. what he's doing is next level oh my gosh <laughs> yeah but what's so amazing yeah. is like he's doing it but we're doing it and like yeah. that's the i think that's the cool thing about this platform like you just said if people want to connect you do that you can get it out of the way right have there been stories like that in St. Louis that you're like, oh my gosh, that was like
1: fire? It just lit, it was viral, or that went a direction I didn't think it would? There's so many. And like one that we featured at the end of the book is of Monique and Marion and Reese. And so they're part of this group we called the Reese Family Renovation. Mm-hmm. So I was walking the streets one time with a friend from school, and we saw this couple who was on their roof, and the shingles were all over the front of the house in the front. And we asked them, do you have a moment to come down and chat with us? And the wife came down and we asked, what's going on? What's the renovation about? And she said, well, we found this uh, house for $6,000 on Craigslist. And my husband said, it's our dream home. But the photograph that you see, (laughs) you would question if this would be like someone's dream house. But the beauty of it is it was such a simple story And folks were like, I love that you're helping to renovate St. Louis and bring a piece of St. Louis back and do good in your neighborhood. So it started to kind of take off. I went back to the house, knocked on the door, left a note because they weren't there. Like, hey, I'm the girl who interviewed you a while ago. People are really interested to help you renovate your home. Is that something you'd be interested in? And it just took off from there. (laughs) So a gentleman reached out uh, to the Reese's directly. And he didn't reach out to Hostel, which I loved. He just took it upon himself to say, hey, I've done a lot of cleanup work in Joplin when the tornado was there, and I'd love to help you um, figure out how you'd like to um, channel all this energy for folks in the city who want to help you. Maybe they wanted to swipe the credit card. Maybe they wanted to come get their hands dirty. Maybe they wanted to, like, donate electronics. And that's what happened. He organized it for this couple. So here you have, for example, a black family and a white man. and." He's like, I'm interested, like that alone for me, it's powerful to say like, you didn't know them before. Let's get to know people on like a human level. But fast forward to like years later, they worked on the house. What had happened was the husband went home one night to be with the wife at the home they have, the house got ransacked. So after all of this giving and just outpouring of energy and this relationships that were forming, they decided like, do we continue or do we not? A couple of weeks later, Monique's older son got shot at gunpoint. Mm. And then she lost him. And we didn't hear from her for about a year. And then she reached out one day and she was like, Hey, Lynn, um, I'm ready to tell my story if you want to hear it. And we sat down together over Mexican food. And she said, um, After my son got shot, after the house got ransacked, I just didn't have any energy left. And I checked myself into a, a facility because I thought I was going crazy. But I wasn't crazy. I was. Really sad. I needed some time, but I'd like to get going again. So they ended up using the money from the death of her son to buy a new house in another part of town and still the same area, more or less. And they built up their home and they got it going. Mm. The other day we had our book launch and I invited all of them to be on the panel to talk about their story and like how they met and what's happened. And Monique was really forthright to say the house we live in now, the property that we took over to the side of it. We're like kind of the youngest in the area and there's a lot of need. There's about 25 kids on our block. We want to show them a great Christmas. And she went into deeper detail. And after that, folks came forward and they're like, how do we help? We'd love to help out to give holiday gifts for the families that you're working with. She's just a doer. And so what we found is like, if you enable the people who have it within them to do what they can do, but you you support them, you uplift them, you bring like the energy on board, they can do it. It's super grassroots. and yeah, we're also in touch. And now we're helping out with, instead of the Reese family renovation, the Reese family holiday drive, you know, just for this year. And that might morph into something else. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And the thing is like, sometimes news outlets will say the media is very distrustful, Mm -hmm. but you're not media. And so you're behind this art project and you're getting these stories that we would also like to be privy to or sometimes we don't spend enough time finding from like the everyday person because we're getting a news beat because it's like we want the latest news but this stuff is happening all over and it's especially happening in the city and for me like that's the interesting thing to uncover like our city with all the turmoil it's been through and just the past you know eight years almost a 10-year anniversary of Mike Brown right yeah and you think about this pile of stories and their opportunities to meet someone new and help them out every day, yeah. or jump on to do volunteer work, or say yes instead of no to something, you know, and get to know your neighbor or a stranger. It's so possible. It's so possible.
0: Yeah. 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 I yeah. appreciate you coming to chat with us. Like, I, I hope that people understand that it's about this book. But it's so much bigger than the book. And so
1: if people want to follow you and Humans of St. Louis and support you, what does that look like? So you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook on Humans of St. Louis. We finished our first print run and sold out in about a month. So now we're working on our second print run. So if you do want to get uh, pre-ordered copies, you can go to humansofstl.org. And eventually we'll have them in any slew of local bookstores and retail shops around the city once um once the second print run arrives. Love it. And if folks are yeah. not in St. Louis. And if folks are not in St. Louis, you can still follow us on the platforms yes. and you can still pick up a book and you know we're we're glad to mail it to you as well. International too. I think the books now in I don't know, Australia and Kenya and France and the random places that people have reached out. Which is a cool testament to be like, you pass through here. You're interested. You lived here at one moment. Maybe you're from here. You're not here anymore. But I hope that this book makes you feel a little closer to home. Absolutely. There's something so special about your city. The city, <laughs> Our city, right? And like, yes. It, there's something so special. And I think um, my team feels it, who's come on board. And my friends who have stayed after school feel it. And like, we want to do good work here too and contribute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the book is inspiring. It is. It's like a reminder of the people that you pass on the street. Like, what if you stopped? What if you connected? What's possible? And and you bring the stories alive in such a beautiful way. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for joining us on Raising Equity. I hope that you get the book, Humans of St. Louis. Get it. Follow. <laughs> like. All the good stuff. Because... Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's inspiring, as you heard from Lindy. And so I hope you I hope you get it. Thanks for joining me on Raising Equity. Thanks everyone.